Browns, Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty. Their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 845. Well, folks in the Northeast, Southeast, and parts of the Midwest all want to know, can we put our bird feeders back up yet? Well, the answer seems to be, uh, well, um, maybe. The Pennsylvania Game Commission has lifted their recommendation that bird feeders be kept empty. But other states don't seem to be there yet. In case you missed what this is all about, it concerns the mysterious disease that has made birds sick in Tennessee, Kentucky, Virginia, West Virginia, Maryland, Delaware, Florida, Indiana, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. So it's interesting that experts in that state are saying that it's okay to put feeders back up. One thing that's clear is that the disease does seem to have faded away quite significantly, and that seems to suggest this is not a communicable, communicable disease thing. The Cornell Wildlife Health Lab says the rather sudden decline in the outbreak is not typical of an infectious disease. That's why it might be okay to put feeders back up. As we mentioned last week, a tentative hypothesis regarding the cause has pointed to the emergence of brood 10 cicadas this year. The timing and geographic distribution of the bird illness coincides exactly with where the cicadas emerged. Some researchers believe that eating the cicadas could have had toxic effects on the birds. Cicadas sprayed with pesticides have chemicals that could have caused the neurological symptoms that have been observed. Cicadas also carry fungi that can produce toxins when ingested. So it seems that that could also be a cause of the illness in the birds. So probably a good idea to check with your state's fish and game department or local Audubon chapter for guidance, and we'll stay tuned for new developments. Well, our Fre- uh, Freya McGregor often sends us audio postcards from her neighborhood or from far-flung locations to which she travels, and she has inspired others to create their own audio postcards, and one of those others is our own Debbie Bleacher sending us an audio card from out in the woods in the great state of Maine. Hi, Debbie Bleacher here. I'm in Maine's 100-mile wilderness listening to a duet between two hermit thrushes. I know these are hermit thrushes because the very beginning of the song starts with a clear single note and then spirals up higher than the song of most other thrushes. The hermit thrush is a smallish medium songbird with a medium brown back, a short reddish tail, a beady black eye, and spots on the breast only, unlike the wood thrush whose spots go all the way down the belly. I've seen them scuffling in leaves mid-morning, later than a lot of other birds come out. Thanks for being here with me. Thank you. Thank you, Debbie, out there in the the woods of Maine. Now we uh, go to the beach here. 
It's for our mystery bird and a preview of our mystery bird contest presented by Red Start Birding. Red Start Birding is your new resource for birding optics, gear, and expertise. Great birding starts at redstartbirding.com. Our mystery bird you'll find running after retreating waves at the beach, grabbing invertebrates, small crustaceans, or mollusks on or just under the surface of the wet sand. Our bird is rather small, 7 to 8 inches long with a broad white wing stripe, a pale body, bordered uh, the wing stripe bordered in black, a short, stout, straight bill, and black legs. It breeds in the high Arctic and winters along all the U.S. coasts. It's often referred to as the clockwork toy or the clockwork mouse. Clues there are the sound of our mystery bird, and we have some coffee uh, among our prizes this morning. A 12-ounce bag of delicious, bird-friendly, shade-grown birds and beans coffee. That's the coffee that's grown in such a way that preserves the habitat for wintering birds down there in the tropics. And a Droll Yankees Ruby Sipper Hummingbird Feeder. It's a perfect pairing of whimsical fun and practical performance with an eye-catching ruby red color that attracts hummingbirds instantly. That's the layout for our Mystery Bird Contest coming along just a little bit later on in this morning's show. Here's a little conservation input of the week. In the light of this week's news from the UN stating more definitively than ever before that human-caused climate change is not only real, but is becoming a bigger crisis every day. So the input comes from listener and friend of the show, Rich Gillum in Silver Spring, Maryland, who's offering us some suggestions how we can better engage in and promote environmentally friendly behaviors. And he says... I urge you to adopt and promote green birding practices such as these. One, fly to a birding site only in combination with needed family or business travel and buy carbon offsets to cover the trip. Take a train or boat instead, if possible. Two, carpool, bike, walk, or use public transit for birding unless you drive a hybrid or electric vehicle. Three, advocate at local, state, and national levels for new laws and policies to meet or exceed Paris Climate Accord goals. And he adds, for us specifically here at Talking Birds, I suggest you contact some local Nissan dealer to see if they would buy some ads to promote the Nissan Leaf electric vehicle. I like that idea, Rich. We can't do that with Tesla because they don't advertise. Or maybe we should try Volkswagen or Volvo, both of which are among companies that have made big commitments to transitioning to clean energy vehicles. And by the way, for all who are thinking about buying an electric car, it's time to get extra excited because Kia and Hyundai and others are coming out with some pretty amazing electric vehicles this fall. Thank you, Rich, for your suggestions. And speaking of flying, here's some encouraging news. A new German company called Lilium has announced plans to sell 220 of its electric airplanes to Brazilian airline Azul. The two companies say they plan to build an electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft network across Brazil between now and 2025. How cool is that? And of course, that's a big territory there. Brazil is geographically the fifth largest country in the world.
A salute now to uh, more of our royal members of the Talking Birds listeners family, our ambassadors helping us to get the word out about the show and birds and conservation. And thank you to Joni T. from Wishon, California. Thank you, Joni. And then way, way down south, thank you to Juan C. from Santiago, Chile. A long-distance ambassador. Thank you, Juan. Talking Birds listeners, let us make you part of the royalty of our Talking Birds family. Become a Talking Birds ambassador. Really easy to do. We'll send you some of our little info cards. Hand them out at your convenience to friends and neighbors. And um, that's about it. To sign up, just go to TalkingBirds.com. Leave out the G, TalkingBirds.com. And click where it says Get Involved up at the top of the page there. Still to come on our show today, we'll hear from that aforementioned Freya McGregor. Not through one of her audio postcards, but instead in a live report from Tucson, Arizona at the Southeast Arizona Birding Festival. Plus, we'll catch up with Mike O'Connor from an almost live from the archive Let's Ask Mike segment from his world-famous Bird Watchers General Store in a merchant-focused installment about whether it's true that the customer is always right. Last week, we featured the biggest falcon in the world, the Jur falcon. And today, we feature another raptor, and this one is the smallest owl in the world. Our featured Feathered Friends segment is presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. We don't usually think of an owl as having elfin qualities. Unless, of course, it's the elf owl. The elf owl is the smallest owl in the world. It weighs about as much as a golf ball, and it's only about six inches tall. It's mostly gray or grayish brown with big yellow eyes highlighted by thin white eyebrows, no ear tufts, and fairly long legs that present a bow-legged appearance. The elf owl's U.S. breeding territory is in the woodlands and desert habitats of southwest Texas and southern Arizona, where they often nest in woodpecker holes in the tree-like saguaro cactus with wintering grounds in Mexico. They're most active at dusk, hunting for beetles, crickets, and spiders, and sometimes lizards and mice, and scorpions. Like other owls, elf owls have excellent night vision and acute hearing which allows them to catch prey in complete darkness as the sound of their flight is muffled because of the softened feathers on the leading edges of their wings. Elf owls are not usually aggressive, and when danger approaches, they'll often play dead until the threat subsides. The tiny, bow-legged, scorpion-eating, dead-playing elf owl, Microthene Whitneyi. Today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Welcome again to our show, number 845, in which we're about to talk to someone who uh, may have seen one of those elf owls out there in southeastern Arizona. We're about to find out. Frey McGregor is Talking Birds Outreach Coordinator and Ambassador-in-Chief and a reliable generator of bird-themed audio postcards from all over. But that's in her spare time. These days, she's mostly the full-time coordinator for a new nonprofit called Birdability. It's working to ensure that the birding community and the outdoors are welcoming, inclusive, safe, and accessible for everybody. 
She's been representing birdability this week at the Big Southeast Arizona Birding Festival in Tucson, and she's joining us from there right now. Good morning, Freya. Good morning. Good morning. That's quite a long introduction uh, you, you got there, but we still have time for, <laughs> for stuff here. So you haven't just been representing birdability. You've been doing some active stuff there uh, at the festival. Tell us about it, would you? Yeah, so um, Virginia Rose, who's the founder of Birdability, we had her on the show a little while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, she and I have been holding accessible, inclusive outings every day at the festival, which has been really awesome, making sure to be on accessible trails and not kind of rushing if people are a little slower and um, just trying to create a, a welcoming and inclusive environment so people can just enjoy birds however they however they wish to. Uh, we've also uh, we had a roundtable discussion uh, on Friday, one of the workshops about uh, inclusion and access in birding and the outdoors, and that was really, really great to hear from different people with uh, disabilities and other health concerns and stakeholders in the community about um, ways to improve inclusion and access in, in birding and at birding locations. Mm-hmm. Oh, before I forget, why don't we just say here how folks can find out more about birdability? Oh, yes. Yes, check out our website. It's birdability.org. And we have a lot of information up there about how you might be a welcoming and inclusive birder or things that inclusive organizations can do, um, ideas for um, holding accessible outings and what truly makes up an accessible trail. That's all up at birdability.org. And you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at Birdability. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know you've been spreading the word about <coughs> talking birds uh, as well. Huh? Of course. <laughs> How's that been working out? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's been great. And in fact, I, I got to meet two ambassadors at the festival. I've, I've actually never met a talking birds ambassador except for my husband. Um, <laughs> and yourself. And so, and myself. Well, I guess I've met myself. Uh, yeah, two two different folks came up to me at different times and said, "Oh, hey, you're Freya. I'm I'm a Talking Birds ambassador." So, <laughs> shout out to Laurie and Jimmy. Thank you for being a Talking Birds ambassador and coming and saying hi. Uh, and someone else came up to. We had a um, Tucson Audubon offered us a booth at the expo to share about our work at Birdability and. Mm-hmm. Someone came up and said hi, and she had uh, her talking bird swag on. She had a oh, wow. binocular harness, and there was a patch uh, on the back of the harness. I'm, I'm wearing my shirt with my um, talking bird swag patch today. So, yeah, it's, it's been really fun. All right. Well, pretty cool. Well, I've been watching some of the streamed events uh, from the festival and seeing some of the extraordinary uh, bird life there in uh, southeast Arizona. And uh, there's something that... Um, those of us in the temperate zones don't know much about, and that's the fact that Arizona and southeast Arizona, I think especially, enjoys kind of a second spring accompanied by monsoon rains this time of year, and that uh, brings even more birds in, right? Yeah, yeah. So even though in other parts of the world this this time of year should be summer, um, it, it certainly was in July. I was here briefly in July for a family occasion and it was blisteringly hot like at 7:15 out on the trail going birding it was mm. very uncomfortable but just a month later the rains come in big heavy rains and everything here having been here a month ago everything is now so much greener like all in the the, the plants in the desert and up the sides of the big mountains um and all these birds um there's a bunch that might nest a second time 
with all the all the rains, uh, and mm-hmm. there's a bunch of birds that wait until the monsoon before they nest. So there's mm-hmm. lots going on, and it's much cooler, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is really good. <laughs> a, a little relief there. So a lot of hummingbird species, right, from Mexico coming up in this monsoon season? Yeah, there's hummingbirds everywhere. Um, I had a really good view of an Anna's hummingbird yesterday. They have a pink gorget, the throat and the, mm-hmm. um, the top of the head. I haven't ever... I've been to Tucson a few times, which is really awesome, because this part of the world is an amazing place. If you haven't come to visit, the birding and the, the nature is just fantastic. But I've never seen a Costa's hummingbird yet. I'm looking forward to, to finding one of those one day. Mm. And uh, do I have this right? You're leading another birdability outing today, last day of the festival? Yeah, yeah. Well, after we get off <laughs> get off the phone here, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be out uh, at Reed Park leading another accessible outing. Um, we were originally scheduled for another uh, county park here in Tucson to hold it at, but because of the monsoon rains, uh, there's a big, big rain last night. No, the night before. And the desert washes, which are like the creek beds, um, they're dried most of the year, but when it rains, they are flowing. And that park, um, you can't get to right now because the, the washes are so high, they go over the road sometimes. And yeah, anyway, that's right. There's other places. There's birds <laughs> everywhere. So we're going to be in a different spot instead today. All right. And, and by the way, uh, the great Richard Crosley uh, gave the keynote address uh, last night, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, it was it was great. He's he's really entertaining and passionate, and um, he's all about enjoying birds and looking and listening and appreciating them, not just rushing off checking off a list. And mm-hmm. his keynote was 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 great fun. All right, and we we want to have him on the show here. We he's one of those people that that you know should have been on the show, I guess, ten times by now, and hasn't been for some reason. But I think we're going to change that soon, right? I think so. Yeah, I was, I've been chatting with him a bunch, and I, I think I think we'll get him on the show here soon. Right. <laughs> Frey McGregor is Talking Birds Outreach Coordinator and the coordinator for Birdability. Find out more about their efforts to make birding accessible to everybody at birdability.org. Thank you, Freya. Good luck on the outing today. Oh, I didn't ask you if you've seen the elf owl. I forgot all about that. Oh, no, I have seen an elf owl on a previous trip here. They are really cute, but not, <laughs> not on this trip. All uh, right. Maybe next time. Thank you, Freya. And send us another postcard soon, all right? Oh, yes, I will do. Thanks <laughs> so much. Freya McGregor here on Talking Birds. And up next, it's our Mystery Bird contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather. The flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more or if you need help choosing your next optic, Give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. 
There's that little clockwork toy or clockwork mouse. It's our mystery bird. You'll find our bird on the beach running after retreating waves to grab, uh, grab invertebrates, small crustaceans or mollusks on or just under the surface of the wet sand. A small shorebird. It's seven to eight inches long and pale with a broad white wing stripe bordered in black, a short, stout, and straight bill and black legs and what is it 781-837-4900 is the number by which to tell us that's 781-837-4900 call as soon as you can because time is of the essence as always 781-837-4900 prizes include the droll yankees ruby sipper hummingbird feeder with the eye-catching ruby red color that attracts hummingbirds instantly. And bonus prize, a 12-ounce bag of our favorite coffee around here. Delicious, bird-friendly, shade-grown birds and beans coffee. 781-837-4900 is the number. Meanwhile, next from the archive, almost live, it's Let's Ask Mike with Mike O'Connor in just one minute. Beautio Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology. From field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find it all along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for in one convenient place. Beautyobooks.com B-U-T-E-O Beautyobooks.com My name is Cheryl Black and I'm calling from Fort Myers, Florida. I encourage anybody and everybody to become a Talking Birds ambassador because it gives you a chance to meet and greet other people who are interested in the same thing that you're interested in. And it also allows you to spread the word about the beauty and the joy and the importance of birds to everyone you meet. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family. Just visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Join today and thanks. Mike O'Connor's down there at the famous Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, here with another tale of a contact with a customer that was a little bit challenging, uh, perhaps. Good morning, Mike. <laughs> Everything's <laughs> challenging these days, right? So you sell things in your store that people like and that you like, and some things maybe you don't like that much. People still like them anyway, so it's your job to make them available, correct? Yeah, it yeah. is, and, and some people don't yeah. know, don't always see it that way. But yeah, yeah. I, I mean, usually when people ask me about a product, and I, I try to be as honest as I can because I figure if they're happy with their experience, they'll come back. You know, like a regular greedy merchant that I am. But <laughs> some guy asked me, he goes, "What do you think of this?" And I said, "Oh, geez, I don't like that. Don't waste your money on that." And they, instead of saying. You know, thanks for your honesty. The guy kind of bristled. Well, why would you even sell it? Start yelling at me. You know, why would you even sell it? <laughs> and wow. I said, you think the person who owns Stop and Shop is sitting home eating spam and cream corn right now? <laughs> right? I That's mean, right. Gonna, they have to sell stuff that other people like, even though they might not be fond of it. Yeah, you're not being selfish and just having stuff that you like. It's like a, <laughs> it's like a DJ on the radio. You're not supposed to play the songs you like. You're supposed to play the songs the listeners like. Exactly. And it would be a lot smaller store if it was just the stuff that I like. <laughs> what so the, then when, and I started thinking of it, yeah. you know, and I started, what else do I, I sell that I don't necessarily recommend? What those items are, Ray. Okay, what are those items? 
<laughs> one of the most popular things that people like, and, and, and we sell these, so it's a good product that works as advertised. It's called a water wiggler, mm-hmm. and it's an agitator. You put it in your bird bath. Some are solar powered, so it doesn't even take batteries, some of them. And they keep the water motion, and birds like they like the active water. So the idea is that it attracts birds, and you put it right in your bird bath, and they work exactly as advertised. The trouble is the device takes up most of the bird bath. So when the birds land, you know, they'll, they might be able to drink, but if they want to bathe, they've got to get this, you know, spinning agitator out of the way. <laughs> so I've tried them, and they work, but the birds don't bathe in them. Yeah, the devil's in the details on that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and while we're on bird baths, one of the more popular bird baths, we have a, a glass bird bath. People love these because they're light, and they're beautiful. They usually have flowers and other birds on them, and they're glass, so they're easy to clean. They don't get the mold and the algae as the other bird bath. It's just slippery, mm-hmm. and birds get nervous around water, and certainly when it's slippery. So again, the birds might land on the edge and have a little drink, but they don't go in them. They don't. They don't jump in them to splash around. They should take so, a lesson from you. You know, they're offering the birds something that that they like, but that the birds don't like. Birds should talk to me first. They should they consult do with you. There's no question about it, Mike. Thank you uh, so so much, and uh, good luck if that customer comes back again. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> wear your mask. Oh, he'll be back. Okay. Wear your mask and your helmet. <laughs> Talk to you later. All right, Mike O'Connor down there at the famous Birdwatchers General Store on Cape Cod. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Regular contributors include Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and other birding experts. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. 781-837-4900 would be the number here for our mystery bird, and you're hearing the bird right now. And we have Dave in Newtown, Pennsylvania. It's uh, appropriate. We have a Pennsylvania caller. We've been talking about the great state of Pennsylvania a little bit this morning. Good morning, Dave. Good morning. Good morning. Because our first question for you is if you have, if, if you put your bird feeders back up, if you have some. Uh, we have not yet. Okay. Because we just heard that uh, the Pennsylvania... Um, I forget which entity that was in Pennsylvania, but uh, the official groups in Pennsylvania have said you can put your feeders back up again. But that's a little digression. We're here at the Mystery Bird uh, Contest, Dave. What do you what do you say the bird is? Uh, so my guess is the Sanderling. The Sanderling is uh, what we call a pretty good guess there. And <laughs> absolutely correct. The Sanderling, the uh, the clockwork mouse or the clockwork toy. This bird has all kinds of nicknames. Beach bird, whitey. That's because in the fall it tends to be the whitest bird on the beach. Other nicknames, whiting, stib, white, snipe, and beach snipe. That's pretty good. That's the sanderling. Dave, nice uh, job. And we have time for a bonus question if you'd like to try it. Sure. All right. You may have heard this before. The great Roger Tory Peterson described a bird that he said looked like it had been dipped in raspberry juice. Which of the following birds is the one he was talking about? A, the scarlet tanager. B, the summer tanager. Or C, the purple finch. Which one of those would you say? Uh, D, the purple finch. The purple finch is uh, absolutely right. We're also going to say maybe the ocean spray oriole. But that would be dipped in cranberry juice. But anyway, you're absolutely right, and um, you've already won those uh, those prizes, and now you are the um, 
official bonus prize or bonus question winner as well. Dave, thank you so much, and stay on the line, and Jesse will arrange to get your info. Thank you. Love the show. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Dave. Dave, there in Newtown, Pennsylvania, correctly identifying Calidris, uh, Calidris Alba. Yes, he'll be okay. Calidris Alba, or the Sanderling. They tell us that a lot of non-breeding individuals of Arctic breeding shorebirds stay on the wintering grounds uh, through the summer. I guess the idea is why make that long trip if you're not going to breed Anyway, many sanderlings remain in South America without breeding, although only small numbers remain along the North American coasts. Kind of interesting. And kind of uh, wrapping up our show for today, we are just about out of time. Thanks to our amazing Talking Birds team, Debbie Bleacher, Freya McGregor. And by the way, special thanks to Debbie Bleacher and Freya McGregor for their extra contributions to the show. And thanks to our producing engineer, Jesse Wilkins. Next week, a man who's not only the co-creator of the three-title Advanced Birding video series, but but who in 2011 became the fastest birder on record to reach 700 species in a big year. He's John Vanderpoel, and he's written about that big year. It'll be our special guest right here next week to tell us about it. I'm Ray Brown. Thanks again for being with us. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics with the VIP warranty. Their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com.